Well, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts and shape us and form us and take us to the next place in Him. Father, thank you that it is your desire today to touch, to heal, to encourage, to strengthen um, your people. We've gathered corporately. We could have just sat in our pajamas and our lazy boys and watched a podcast or a YouTube of our favorite preacher. We could have, but we didn't. We've gathered. We've made the effort. We, here we are in your presence, Father, with our family members in the faith. Not to do another notch on our spiritual belt, but because, Lord, we don't want to be people who get stuck going through the motions. We don't want to be a people, Father, who just coast. We want to be a people who live with great purpose. We want to be a people who make a difference. Every one of us wants to, God, in some way, shape, or form. Father, we want to reach our potential. Every person has a dream in their heart, whether it's suppressed because of sin or because of hope deferred. Every person in this place was made to achieve and to be great in their, in their own God-given way. And Father, I'm asking right now that you would do what I can't, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would call deep unto deep into the very depths of every person in this place, that you would call them forward out of the shadows, call them forward out of hiding, call them forward, God, out of uh, just, just being callous even to the movement and the, the reality of your love and your presence. Father, every person in this room has a next step to take in God. I believe it. And I ask that you would do it, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just woo us and take us to the next level in you for the sake of your glory and for the sake of your name in this city, in our families, and in all the earth. God, we say yes to what you want to do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Is anybody with me with that? I just believe it. I'm, I'm believing. When you think about the end goal, which is a life of purpose or passion or making a difference or leaving a legacy or leaving an inheritance for your kids that transcends nickels and dimes, but a spiritual inheritance, when we think of the end in mind, many times, if we're not careful, it feels overwhelming or too much to bear because we don't know how to get there. But I would propose that if you and I would begin to take the posture of, and of walking humbly with the Lord and saying, Lord... What's my next step? I'm telling you, one step is easier than thinking, what's the next 20 steps? And I believe that every time we gather corporately, if we would come with the posture, regardless of what you came in here with, whether you're bogged down by sin or discouragement or you got the raise and the A on the report card, I don't care. Wherever you came from, there is a next step for you in God. There's a next step for us in obedience, in faith, and that step is going to be different for every person in this room. Amen? Yes, Let me say that again. And each step is going to look different for every person in this room. Yes, Therefore, we want to be a culture of grace yes. that honors every person at their pace and where they're at on their journey. Did you know that if that's the case, there are no losers here in this room? There's no one who's like, you should be farther, even though it may be the case that there's still a next step, and it's grace, and it's the Spirit that's drawing you to take it. Chad, what if I stumble? Well, look around you. We'll stumble with you. We're all trying to take that next step in God. And I believe that, that, that 
There's no way to take that next step apart from the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you're with us, I'm going to just, if you weren't, I'll post the sermon, I promise, someday, probably today, from last week. We started part one of looking at the person and letting him actually look at us, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And just by way of review, if you look at Jesus' entire life and ministry, none of it would have been possible without the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Just to, just to review, here's a few things about the person and work of Jesus. Conceived of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit at his baptism. He did the works and the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 6, Acts 10, 38. And when he left, John 20, or rather when he was resurrected and he shows up in the locked room where his disciples are afraid, he breathes the Holy Spirit on him. Oh, and by the way, I was reminded during this week, just reflecting, baptizing us in the Holy Spirit is, by the way, central to Jesus' mission. If you read Matthew 3, 14, John the Baptist, when he's out baptizing those in the wilderness, he's saying, I'm not the one you think I am. The one who comes after me is greater because he's going to give you and, 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 and bring you into a greater baptism, a baptism that doesn't just symbolize repentance, a change of heart and mind, but a baptism that represents a change of propensity and nature. A baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, the fire that purifies and cleanses and enables you to live the life of Christ. So in every single way, our hero, King Jesus, the Holy Spirit is completely central to his entire mode of living and operating and in fact, his ministry. I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. I, the one who took on your nature, Hebrews 2.14, am the one who can baptize you so you can participate in my nature, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. He becomes like us so that we can become like him. So this is just a review. We talked part one of the Holy Spirit. What does he do? We made the case last week that we are not going to be people who fall into the trap of believing that Holy Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. There is an entire population of the Christian tradition that doesn't believe or make room for the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know you're not sitting in a church that's like that. We believe in the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy. We want the Holy Spirit. We need him. We can't even breathe without him. And that's actually the, the Greek and Hebrew word. He's the breath of God. So if you're here and you're a believer, this is just a review, very briefly. <clears throat> you were drawn by the Spirit. It wasn't your idea to come to God. You were convicted of your sin by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't your idea to feel remorse. You were born of the Spirit. When you repented and came and were drawn and convicted... You were born of the Spirit. The life that you had was characterized by me, mine, and no, which resulted in your spiritual death. But when the Spirit convicts you and breathes life into your soul, you are born spiritually anew, where everything that used to categorize your life is no longer what hangs over you. You've got a new banner over your life, which is the Lord is love, the banner over your life, this love that calls you and shapes you into a new creation. <clears throat> Thank you, Samuel. Come on. Someone else can help me. I mean, <clears throat> this is just review. I want, if those of you who aren't with us, you were adopted by the Holy Spirit. You and I, apart from God, were orphans. But in and through the adopting of the Holy Spirit, you and I can cry out to God of heaven and earth and say, Abba, 
Father. We can say Papa. Again, this is all just the reality and the work of the Holy Spirit. I think we need him. And then ultimately and continuously we're being renewed by the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, we were washed in the renewal and the rebirth of the Holy Spirit. So everything about our lives, our entire life of trying to shake habits and trying to be better and strive harder, if we would just surrender and allow him to do the heavy lifting and partner with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, we would experience renewal from the Lord. And as a disciple of Jesus now, we are called to not live on a trickle, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised in John 7, 37 through 39, that after he was glorified, which we've made the argument here for weeks, was on the cross when he was hanging, and he was lifted up. And after he paid the penalty for our sin, he has now said every single believer's destiny is to have a literal river flowing within them and without them everywhere they go. John 7, 39, by this he meant the Holy Spirit on whom he would pour out on those who believed in him after he was resurrected and glorified. So our calling, beloved, we're talking about part two, is to be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. And the context of this, I love the context of Ephesians 5, 18, is it starts with don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I believe the implication here Yes, don't get drunk. I think that is one very clear conclusion. Come on, somebody. You need to hear that. But number two, even as alcohol, when you're under its, its sway, you're under its influence, so the Holy Spirit wants to be so present in our life that he's influencing everything about us. How we see, how we walk, how we experience disappointment, discouragement, triumph, or tragedy, the Holy Spirit He actually wants to influence every part of our life. We're supposed to be filled. It's a command. It's not like this is only for like half of the Christian tradition to be filled. This is for every single believer. Okay? And then because of that, we are enabled to walk by the Spirit. I'm glad it doesn't say run because the Holy Spirit in John 3 is like the wind. It's hard to keep up with the wind if it's about running, right? But it's just learning to walk. What does walking evoke in your mind? Friendship, right? I mean, mean, maybe you have some friends you run with. That's weird. I don't know how you run with friends. but, But that walking, that companionship, that partnership, walk with me. And ultimately, because of that, we're able to, this is just all scripture, I can give you all, I'm giving you all the references, live by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. So the Spirit is, wants to bring us into a reality in and through which it's all in light of what he's doing in us and around us and through us. I think there's one more. Oh yeah, we need the Holy Spirit. There you go. So, come on, brother. Three's the charm. We got it right there. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
So that was all review. So you ready for today's message? That was just a crash course. I think I made the argument. We need him. Um, and here's the cool thing. <clears throat> we need the Holy Spirit. And he wants us. It's a good deal. He doesn't need us. God is so totally holy and sufficient. He doesn't need. But how much better is it to be wanted than needed? He wants to inhabit us. He wants to be the predominant influence in our life. The very nature and character of God. He wants it to sweep in the resources and the recesses of every crack and crack. Crevice in every closet of our hearts and lives and our mindsets and thinking to think that the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead of Father, Son, and Spirit, He wants to live and reside and flow and fill and, and walk with us. Yeah. And He wants to do that. We need Him. I, I had a passage here, I didn't throw it in my notes, but Job 34 ish, I think. I think 11, 12, and 13, it says, if it was the Lord, listen to this word, if it was the Lord's intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all of the earth and all humanity would return to dust in an instant. That's a crazy, if that was, thank God for, for Noah and the rainbow and that's not his intention. But that's, I'm just trying to say from a very, um, even in an entirely every angle type of way, we are completely in need of the activity and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we've made the argument. So then the question is, is that a reality and functioning reality of our life? Uh-oh. Because everything sounded all pretty up until right there. I mean, I think it did. If all of that is true, and it's true, if the word isn't true, I don't know what is true, and your word is truth, John 17, 17, right? And the words that Jesus spoke, John 6, 63, are full of the Holy Spirit and life. If that's all true, and it's the anchor and the foundation of the life as a believer, if you're here, then the question has to be asked, is that the reality? And I, I, I want to I look at this question and try to answer it to the best of my ability. And I'm telling you, as I'm sharing this sermon, it is absolutely directed to myself and every person in this room. Where's the disconnect? If all of that is available to us, and then the reality of our life, maybe it's closer to that. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're unbelievable. I hope you, you are unbelievable, but and you walk with God, and you're running at a 10. But for many of us, we're all the way over here. We, we, okay, thanks, Chad, for the, the journey through all the New Testament about the Holy Spirit, but this is where my life is. That looks good. And the question I'm asking today is how do we cross the distance for all that we just said to be true and operating, functioning reality of our life? Would that be a good question to have an answer to today? Because how many want more out of their, that's why we're doing this fast, right? We're, we're contending as a church, there's more. Yes, sir. Come on, we've been saying it for weeks. You are not doomed to live in your current cycle if it's failure after failure. You're not doomed to live that way. Yes, 
If you're here and you're bored with your faith, you're not doomed to live and stay stuck in boredom. If you're here today and you've been in the church for 20 years, but you don't have any more fruit in your life or any more passion for the scriptures, you haven't led anyone to Christ, you're not doomed for that to be the story of your next 20 years. If you're sitting here today, you're not doomed for anything. There's an invitation for more. That next step in God. Are you tracking with me? Every person. Stay-at-home mom or dad to doctor and everywhere in between. Which, by the way, they should make moms have a degree because it is the hardest job in the world. That just came to me. I just wanted to release that over y'all. It's the hardest. I want to propose it's because we've misunderstood this dynamic of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if this sentence makes sense. But it does in my heart, and I will explain it. Did you know that you and I are the product of a culture and a society where it is predominantly about you? Would we just agree with that in the house? Can everyone just say amen? Like individualism, it's about you rising to the top, you making a self-made man or woman or... It's all about you, and, and, and many of us grew up in a theological tradition where even salvation was talked about almost solely in the personal, private realm. Can I get an amen? Like it's, anyone else? I mean, does, it, does that bear witness? I don't want to make an assumption that it's about my Lord and Savior, my personal, private, my sins are forgiven, my, me. And I want you to know that the gospel is bigger than you. The kingdom is bigger than me. And I'm telling you, the Lord burned this in my heart. I think the reason many of us feel like all of this may be true about the work and person of the Holy Spirit, but we live over here, is because we don't understand the outward leaning and others orientation of the Holy Spirit. I've wanted to experience all of this being led by, filled with, empowered by, walking in the kingdom. I want that. And I want to come to a meeting and just get touched. I just want to get filled. I want to get more free. I, and I want, to, so I want to propose today that there is a dynamic that the Lord is inviting us into as a church that doesn't revolve around you. Yes, you're involved, but it, will be re- it revolves around the way the Holy Spirit does in you so that he can do through you. And I'm just, I'm so convinced of this in my own life. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. I feel powerless most of the time. I don't know what to do. I've got three little ones, and I'm family, and this balance of life. And I'm contending for my own life for breakthrough in this area, for more. And I'm convinced there is a call of God on our life that will not be convenient But that if we'll say yes to the cost, we will begin to experience all of these dynamics in increasing measure. And the people of this place will be the most compelling people in the city. I believe that with all my heart. With all of my heart. With every ounce of strength I have. I believe it. But I believe it's because with the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our individualistic me-my mentality... We're perpetually reading these scriptures and they're not changing us. We're perpetually coming to prayer meetings or meetings and he's saying, when are you going to use what I've given you so that I can actually give you more? 
I'm saying this all in love. This is stirring in my heart. So uh, the classic scripture, the classic. I love this passage because I'm a dad. I understand it. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. If you then, though you are evil, no offense, thanks Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? No, come on. Someone help me with that. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So if I take this scripture serious, and I take all scripture serious, it seems to me that from heaven's perspective, he wants all of this to be true of our life. He wants to give it to us. So on the spectrum of the equation, it would seem from bird's eye perspective that there is no reason for us not to be experiencing these dynamics in our life from heaven's perspective, from the Father's perspective. And this morning, my son, um, Caleb, um, woke up during my prayer devotional time, praise the Lord. But the Lord used it profoundly as I was thinking about this passage. And what do you... What do we as parents expect of our children after they receive a gift or a present? This just came to me. I'm holding my son by the fire. The father, in other words, Luke, Luke 11 is not saying, just keep asking me for more Holy Spirit for you. Because you need more presents. Come on, we just got through Christmas. How many know they would have been happy with one of them, but we're the ones creating the monsters? The entitled, more me, my. Okay, anyway, forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Jesus. And as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm cuddling my son, and he finally falls back asleep, I begin to think, every gift I want my kid, I give my kid for two things. I want them to use it, to enjoy it, and to share it. Isn't that a good word? I mean, that's why my son woke up, because the Lord gave me that when he woke up. And I think... I think on all three accounts, using it, and the it is a him in this point, the Holy Spirit, but the metaphor of gift, giving, and parents, you understand, you're tracking with me. I think on all three accounts, any of us can miss the mark. Where we try to do life on our own strength, anyone ever do that? So you're not really using the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're not using the power that he's made available, and no one ever makes that mistake, okay? I do. Enjoying, discovering, what do kids do when they get a gift? Take it apart, build it, break it. The metaphor breaks down at that point. <laughs> Use it, discover it, see how it works on the top of the bed, seeing how it works outside in the rain. Come on, somebody. You got to use it. Use it, experience it, and enjoy it, discover it. This is what we want our kids to do with the gifts. We don't want them to get a gift and leave it wrapped under the tree. We want it to have some mileage under its tread or we wasted our money. Use it. Him. That's what the Father, when he gives gifts. But if you don't, if you, it doesn't take him to be a mediocre dad. It doesn't take the Lord to be a, distant father or husband. It doesn't take the Holy Spirit to 
Just do what's required of you at work and not excel your boss's expectation. It doesn't take the person in work of the Holy Spirit to live in offense and the bondage of unforgiveness. It doesn't take, you understand, this is where most of us live, and it doesn't take the Holy Spirit to live that kind of life. But he's inviting us into something that if we'll use it, we'll let him do his work in us. I'm saying number two happens. We'll begin to enjoy the person and work with the Holy Spirit. Even those kids enjoy the joy of a toy, the newness, the freshness. I'm telling you, he wants you to experience his joy. After the love of God is poured out into your heart, Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit, the joy of God is to be poured out into your heart. Galatians 5, 22, the Holy Spirit is love, joy, boom. And I'm convinced right here is where most of us, myself included, I don't let him do his work in me, and I don't enjoy it, and then I'm not compelled to share it. But this is what it means. As a father, I would want my kid, I want it to be true of them on every count. To receive and experience and use and enjoy and explore and share. Is everyone tracking with me? Is everyone happy? I think this is a good message so far. I'm not... For the 65%, you can all stay because you were happy. <laughs> Everyone else is happy too. But God's convicting us. He's convicting me. This is good stuff. I know it. It's the word, man. So here's the language to, to help us a little further of the New Testament. Multiple passages, and I'm going to reflect on two, they use the language of deposit and withdrawal in regard to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. When you were... You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal. The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come until the redemption of those who are God's possession for the praise of his glory. So there's this issue where the Holy Spirit, he's the gift. We've talked about all that he does and wants to do and where most of us live. But the way the kingdom works as citizens of the kingdom of God, which is, if you're in Christ, you are one, yippee, tell to your neighbor, hey, it's good to be a citizen of the kingdom. No one did it, but praise God, I told you to tell your neighbor that. And the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that the Lord, when he deposited his spirit in you, He didn't do it with the intention that you would just go, man, I can't wait for the fullness of my inheritance when I get the heck out of here and die someday. (laughs) If anything, the Holy Spirit is the deposit that is supposed to so seize us and give us revelation into the vast, unlimited resources that are ours in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3, that the Spirit, we're meant to draw on that deposit in all of life. Obviously, the question back in the center of this whole dialogue or monologue, some dialogue from some of y'all, do I want it? Do I want to live a deposit withdrawal lifestyle? Am I good? No, this is another one. I love it. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ, praise the Lord, that we don't have to figure it out all alone. He anointed us, set his favor on us, 
his seal of ownership on us. Someone needs to hear that today. Whoa, you're not your own. Right? 1 Corinthians 6.19, you were bought at a price. So that even the illusion of independence in that we can, it's an illusion from his perspective. Anyway, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, someone help me out. What did Jesus teach us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom, stay far away, come someday when I'm out of here. Your kingdom, come. Your, your will, be done. Where? As it is in heaven. So the prayer that Luke 11, the passage about the good gift of the Father, that's all in the context of the Lord teaching his disciples how to pray the kingdom come. So to connect some dots, what if in our asking, Holy Spirit, we want more. We want you to fill us, give us a greater level of victory and power in our witness. And Lord, when we pray for sick people, could you heal them? When we are tempted, we have strength to overcome it. That when we are Frustrated at work, instead of retaliating, we're able to turn the other cheek, which is not optional if you're a citizen of the kingdom, but it's going to take God to live it. What if in all of these things we're saying, Holy Spirit, come, not just for my sake, but for the sake of those around me. I want to live a kind of life that brings glory and honor to you. Most of our asking, even when it comes to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, it still just revolves all around us. And there is an outward leaning and others-oriented bent of the Holy Spirit that I'm convinced if we'll just start moving in that direction small, remember, everyone's got the next step, I'm convinced it will bring us into a reality and realm with the person and work of the Holy Spirit that you and I would be thrilled to experience. I believe that, church. And the deposit is not just something we shove away and Give to our grandkids or kids someday what the inheritance we want to leave them is that, hey, this is what it looks like to live in light of the deposit and what's to come. This is what it looks like to be filled with God and living for God in all of life. We think that withdrawal is optional or only occasional or perhaps we've even said only some people are called to witness or share their faith or to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through them. And I want to tell you, that is a lie. Yes, there are not some who are charged with just being really good depositors and holders of the gospel of the kingdom themselves and some who are just outward going. I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with personality, nothing to do with your ENFJ or that's whatever, Myers-Briggs or... Your strengths finders, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is in you, for you, and wants to flow through you for others. And I think it's the for others dynamic that keeps us bound and discouraged. Because we don't, we don't eventually ever get there. But we'll go to another conference to get filled for ourselves, and another thing, and another meeting. And I, I love meetings. I'm a pastor, but sometimes I don't love them. Because I'm like, what did I do with the last time I prayed to be filled? This is not condemning. This is just, man, I feel like he's given us everything we need to succeed, church. Everything we need. 
the provision that God and Christ has made available for us to be an overcoming, explosive, multiplying body of believers. There's nothing on his end that's lacking. I mean, he has provided. I mean, it's like a check. I'm not a name it, claim it. I mean, but there's a, there is a blank check with the blood of Jesus' signature. And if you'd be willing to take me up on the call on your life, I will provide endlessly what you need if you'll allow the other's outward orientation to become your, orient, your life. Am I talking to anyone today? And I would just say that where many of us get bogged down is we don't allow God's heart for the other to grip our own hearts. I was thinking before the, the, the service, um, one of the signs, I didn't even get into all the other stuff about witnessing Acts 1-8. There's so many more things, and this is like part two of a potential 80-part series, but we'll just leave it at two. Stop freaking out. <laughs> but I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. When he comes on you, you will be my, what does it say in Acts 1-8? Say it a little bit louder. What's a witness? I was thinking they're, they're called to the stand to give their account what they've, seen. what they've seen, what they've experienced. Come on, somebody. Even our realm of witness, if all you're thinking about that is, is oh boy, I gotta get outside of myself and go share the gospel with someone. I don't even know the Romans 3.23 for all of sin. I don't know the Romans road or the Ephesians road or whatever road. I don't know how to do it. Beloved, I'm telling you, even a life that's transformed, if those around you can see it, you'll have an opportunity to witness. You don't have to preach the Bible at them. You'll be called to the stand to give an account for why you are the way you are. This all came to me this morning. I'm like, witnessing has even gotten a bad rap. All we think of are the guys in the suit and tie and the awkward exchange at your door. That's the, that, that maybe God calls you to do that, what witnessing is, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit so wants to transform us that we'll be called to give an account for the lifestyle that we're living, not in our own strength or power, but by his transformation from the inside out. You will be my witnesses. You're going to be called to account because I'm going to do so something so profound in you that others are going to obviously see it. You don't have to go searching for witnessing opportunities. Just let me do my work in you, and they'll be all around you. Amen. Why are you? Why do you forgive your enemies? <sighs> I was an enemy of God, Colossians 1.21. I was a total enemy. And when I was at my lowest, he loved me, Romans 5.8. Don't have to quote scripture at him, but just know that. You see what I'm tracking? I'm just, even this vocation of witnessing, we're freaked out. I don't know what to say or share. I'm telling you, allow the others and outward orientation of the Holy Spirit begin to take you to that next step, and he will provide opportunities for you to be able to answer the questions that people are asking. And um, maybe one of the great things you and I could do, our next little step, would be seeking to live questionable lives. Right? You know what I mean by questionable? Um, let me fill that in a second. <laughs> by questionable, I don't mean shady. Thank you, whoever said that word. 
I'm saying questionable lives. If you and I's life or work for 60 years, store up everything for ourselves, try to go up the ladder, be nice, go to church occasionally. I'm telling you, there's nothing questionable about the vast majority of our lives, mine included. I'm being so real, not condemning. I'm being so real. My wife and I, about eight, 12 months ago, were sitting in our living room going, babe, I was calling her that. She was calling me something else, but um, <laughs> just kidding. But this, the simplest question, what is even functionally, operationally different about our life than our whole neighbors, many of whom don't know Jesus? And we didn't feel condemned. It, 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 it made us curious in our spirit to say, okay, well, we can't, we're not going to go around telling them how much we tithe because that sort of defeats Matthew 6 purpose. So I can't tell them that's how we're different or that we go to church. I mean, though they see me leave every week because I'm a pastor, they know who I am. And so I'm just telling you, beloved, God, is, he wants us to be questionable. How do we do that? Someone tell me, how do we do that? How do we do that? Love people. Enough said, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Hospitality. Mercy and grace instead of vindication, revenge and retribution. We don't fit in. We stand out. How else? Questionable lives. The fruits of the Spirit. Those, that'd be a good one. How you doing, neighbor? Oh, I'm crummy. I'm... Fruits of the Spirit. That might be a pretty dynamic, vibrant. I'm not saying plastic or veneer face Christianity, but did you know you and I are not just subject to what we're going through? If you're in God, the Holy Spirit, he, what, he's bearing this fruit in your life. How else? Someone says something. Observe others' needs. In, in a culture and world where it's almost all about me, that might be one of the most revolutionary ways we can be questionable. Humbling ourselves. Sharing the light. Aren't you going to get even with that person? No way. What's that going to solve? Well, why not? Well, let me explain it to you. If it was about getting even, we'd all be busted. Right? It's great. These are just practical, great things. Visiting the person next to us who's alone for the hall, inviting them to meal. Are you tracking with me? There's a billion ways to live questionable lives. And I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to take us there. He wants to take us just out of the personal me realm. And he wants to put in others' outward orientation. And as we'll, listen, I, I want to close with this, because this just, this totally struck me. I'm going to skip a bunch on purpose. Amen. Here it is. I'm going to close with this story. That this was just so good. This is the Apostle Paul. The man. And the story is, this is his third missionary journey. He is just kicking booty and taking names all over the world for God. Planting churches, healing the sick, raising the dead. This guy in the same chapter falls out of the third story window, dies, raises him. Praise God. I mean, that's a, that's a long sermon if you're going to fall asleep and fall out of a window. Just saying. He preached all night. The scripture tells us he preached all night because he was leaving. And it was a missionary culture and it was boats and walking and donkeys. <clears throat> so if you finish the sermon. 
So that's the context, is Paul is wholeheartedly devoted to the call of God on his life. Just wrecked. And now, compelled by the Spirit, what do you think of when you think of compelled? Help me out. Inspired, motivated, what else? Lifted up. Empowered, drawn, I love it. I think we got the, okay. So that's all happening from the Holy Spirit. To go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This is the key here. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are never going to happen to me because I'm following God. And here's the passage that I think breaks the ball. It's like just, it just, as I study this passage, it's just, many of us think that to live in this realm, being filled, led by, walking by uh, the Holy Spirit, adopted, all that good stuff we talked about at the review session, that if, they, if that was all true, that it'd be life, it would be roses and daisies and chocolate. Don't talk about chocolate until a week. Come on, somebody. But whatever. But apparently... Being led by the Spirit is not a pass to say you'll never have to risk or it won't cost you anything or it will be easy. And this is why most of us never get into that realm. I was wrecked by this. I've known this passage for years. I've loved Acts 20. And I read it this week and it was like, the very same Spirit that is compelling him or leading him or he's walking by and he's filled with, he's doing all of his ministry in the power of is the very same spirit that's saying, dude, this is going to cost you something. Even though I'm leading you, and that's amazing to be led by me, Paul, but I want you to know, your booty is just on the line. And this is why I'm convinced most of us just settle for an inward me, my, because there is going to be a cost to grow in the things of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a cost to live the questionable life because inevitably when you live a questionable life, you will be at times misunderstood or mistreated. Can I get an amen? I'm not seeking it, but it's just true. So the, look at this. Here we go. I said it here. I'm just going to read it. We are waiting for the Holy Spirit to give us confidence or revelation in the will of God. How many want to know what the will of God is for your life? Every hand. Everybody wants to know. What am I supposed to do? Be all this stuff. Praise God. Everyone should. That's a beautiful question. In other words... We want to know that to somehow take the cost or the risk or sacrifice or the element of faith out of the equation. So most of us, even in our asking, Lord, I want to know your will, because we think that if somehow we knew it, it would be easier. Come on, somebody. Am I being real? I'm being real. I'm just being real. If I just knew it, then I would be able to just do it. And I'm saying, but here we have just the opposite. The Spirit is guiding, compelling Paul is also the Spirit is saying that this will be hard. You're going to face adversity, hardship. And I'm telling you, but on the other side of that risk, I'm telling you, is a kind of joy that I read about in Scripture and I have a holy envy about. That you can go stand before the Sanhedrin, early apostles in Acts 4, and get flogged 40 lashes minus one. And be told never to say the name of Jesus. And you leave getting whooped, celebrating. I say, Lord, either they drank the wrong Kool-Aid at lunch. 
Or there is something about the cost to follow you that I'm not willing to pay. And I'm just, then I just get depressed because my walk is boring. And the Lord is saying, if you'll just trust me, the cost is worth it because you get joy on the other end. You get joy not just on the other end, but the joy of obedience. And, and um, how many know you can't buy joy? You can buy fleeting happiness. This is why every, you see the Hollywood star, the superstar, the weather, and just the unbelievable rates of depression and suicide. Listen, you can't buy your way out of it. It's found on the other side of costly obedience. It's just, and that's what he's calling us. And here you're going, this is so hard. You're right. But look around you. What if the whole church did it? This is why we need each other and why we're launching journey groups. The hope is that we all are taking these little baby steps. And even though it's costly, we have each other to be strengthened and empowered to keep walking. Listen, even Christian fellowship has predominantly been about us. And just me, and I just, this, I'm just telling you, what if we just got, what if we just, what if it wasn't? What if it wasn't all about us? It is about us, but what if it wasn't all about us? Let me, I go on record. It is about us. It is about care and connection and friendship and family and compassion and sharing with each other and being there. But I'm telling you, the entire church in the West is it's longing for someone to say yes to the call of the Holy Spirit, to go through costly obedience and to see joy permeate the house. Because that is not the case, all too often we're left with arguing about song style, sermon style, church pew building, and I'm so tired of that. I want to argue about, man, I don't want to argue about it. I just, what if we were joy-filled people? What if when we showed up at a prayer meeting, it wasn't, oh gosh, how are we going to fill an hour and a half? Oh, we've already prayed for Susie last week or But what if it was, man, I got my butt kicked this week because of obedience. I need prayer and more power to turn around and do it again. I just said booty. I meant to say booty. I've been saying booty all sermon. Sorry. Scratch it. What if our prayers, what, listen, even our prayer, prayer meetings, guys, he's, he's already in you. He wants to get out of us in these small, risky ways. And even though we know is leading, it will not take out the risk or the cost. Listen, John Wimber, the great vineyard founder, said, faith is spelled what? R-I-S-K. You know what that said, Chet? <laughs> faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's spelled risk. It always will be. Who needs courage? Yeah. <laughs> I need boldness. And every time I see the apostles, I'm going to close with this. Every single time I see the apostles praying for more of the Holy Spirit, it is never for themselves in and of themselves. I mean, you just read the book of Acts. You get 28 chapters, seven days, four chapters a day. You got it in a week. See that math on my feet? Come on. That was actually the hardest part of the sermon. I'm telling you, highlight in pink, pink for prayer, or whatever you want to do. I do that weird stuff. Every prayer they're praying is never in and of for themselves. It's for the sake of the mission and the call of God on their life. Every one of the prayers, Lord, we're getting our, we're getting whooped. 
We're being told to be quiet. We're being told to not share Jesus. And here's their prayer in Acts 4, 29 through 31. But we want you to glorify your servant, your son, Jesus Christ. Pour out your spirit on us. We need more boldness to preach the word of God. And will you stretch out your hand and do what we can't, perform signs and wonders so that no one will be able to stand against the witness with which we carry, which is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the heaven and earth. And I'm telling you, what if it wasn't just, Lord, fill me up for more of this, or I just need to, I'm just saying that's all a part of it. You heard the whole review. There is that dynamic, but we don't have a shortage of that teaching in the church. We hear it, and it's all about, but what if, Lord, not for my sake, but for their sake, come. Empower us, fill us to take that next step in you today. Enable us, God, to live the life that we can't get to on our own, even though we've got to partner with you and it's going to be costly and risky. But Lord, let me do it with another person so that the risk and the cost, in light of being in community with another, man, I just actually believe we could do it. That passage closes with this. This would be a good way to end. However, however what? Even though the Spirit is leading me, compelling me, and then he's telling me it's going to cost me a lot. This is what the Apostle Paul says in light of that. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Read that with me. My only Oh, my goodness. My only aim? That seems a little bit... Intense, weird. What if he became our only aim to finish the race, to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me? The task, I love this, it is a task to testify to the good news of God's grace. <laughs> Here's my job. <laughs> Isn't that funny? At least you, have, you just see the scowl. Like, I consider my life worth nothing. My only task is to testify. I'm getting whooped, and all I'm doing is going around telling them that God loves people and that in Christ, they don't have to be bound in sin anymore, that they can be brand new from the inside out. You see, he's constrained. He is gripped and captivated. Nothing else matters compared to the call of God in his life. Wow. Summarize with this. The calling of God took precedence over the potential cost of what it might mean to follow God and fulfill his calling. Could this become normative today? A people so caught up in the call of God that there would be nothing the enemy or self could put in the way. Am I just theorizing? I mean, just tell me. I know I'm a young pastor, and trust me, I feel I fight depression. I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm not on a platform because I'm down the road way further. But do you buy this stuff? Do you buy these scriptures, or is it? Is it Oh, but you don't know the real world. I don't know. I have to believe it or I'm, we're just left with doing religious stuff. And God's not into religious stuff. He's into the power and inbreaking of his kingdom coming on the earth as it is in heaven. He's into reconciling those that are far from God through the peace that's in Christ, Ephesians 2, 17. What, what's heaven's agenda is that none would perish, 2 Peter 3, 9, but everyone would come to repentance and faith in Jesus. 
What moves God's heart, and I want to move my heart more in this fast and in the rest of my life, is that there really is only one way to God, and it's in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And why that is good news is even though he's the only way, he's also the way for all people, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. He's the ransom sufficient for every man, woman, boy, and girl in every single nation and every age and demographic. And I want God to grip my heart with that calling. I want this to be our testimony. Let's read this together. Could you stand with me? I want to read this together. I have been, read it with me. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you would say, Chatty, I, just want, I want this to be true of my life. I want to take the next step. Can you just raise your hand today? You're standing. And just ask the Holy Lord, take me to the next step. Just ask him this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, take me to the next step of yes, of obedience. Take me to the next step, Lord. Empower the next step, the next choice to say yes to you. Empower the next step, oh God. We want to have only one aim. We really do. Whether we're a businessman or woman or a stay-at-home this or that or a, re a recent retiree, God, we want to be a people that have only one aim, and that's to be filled with and live for the glory of Jesus. God, come, cleanse sin that is blocking the flow of your, your power, your grace. Cleanse it, God. Strongholds in our lives or our minds, break them off, we pray. God, where there's areas in our life where we're fearful, bring courage, I pray. Father, we're just standing here, hands raised. We want to live questionable lives. Every per man, we want, we want to live lives of purpose. We really do. So come, Lord, take us to the next step for the sake, not only of ourselves, but of those around us in our lives and in this world. We love you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Here's the promise I want to leave you with, and I'm going to invite the prayer team to come on forward. If you need ministry, if you need someone to speak a word into your life of encouragement or strengthening or to believe in prayer for you, come on forward, prayer team. This is what the apostle Peter, after he got whooped, <laughs> what he says to those who tell him to never say the name of Jesus again. He says, we're witnesses of these things, so is the Holy Spirit and God has given to those who obey him. And I want to leave you with this encouragement. The more of God is found on the journey of obedience. You can't just, listen, that's revolutionary. I want to leave, let that soak in. The more of God is found on the path of obedience. To expect for the more of God over here in rebellion or, or just me doing my thing. Beloved, the more is found as we say yes to what he's calling us to and I'm telling you, on that journey, I love that. So is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Whatever that next step is, that next step of yes, the next step of obedience, I'm telling you, if your heart is for more of God, you will discover more of God as you say yes to that thing. That person, that conversation. So Lord, I bless 
our church family today. We thank you that there is more for every single person. But Lord, we're saying, give us courage on the other side of the cost and the risk. Give us courage and fill us with the most infectious kind of joy, the joy that comes from obedience, the joy that comes knowing we are utterly loved right where we are at, but loved so much that we can't stay there. You want to draw us forward to that next step. In Jesus' name.